<laughs> All right, we're going live in five, four, three. Hello and welcome to Thinking Religion. I'm Thomas Whitley. And I'm Sam Harrelson. Do you like that countdown? It was really professional, wasn't it? It was uh, It was like a, a fade in or fade out, if you were. It was, yeah. See, I know how to do this. We're, uh, we're big time now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Well, and, uh, you know, now I'm going to have to edit that to make it into the show, but... Um, yeah, I gotta have the countdown. I was I was gonna do a segue there with with fading. <laughs> I was waiting for you to come back. I was like, come well, on. I was, I was yeah. I'm thinking about growing my beard back, but I'm at that awkward point where I was letting my hair grow out too. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I mean, we're not gonna spend time on it, but um, Paul Ryan beard, right? Yay, nay. Like I'm I'm a fan. It's been interesting. Like there was a really good kind of thinker, as one of my Facebook friends said, overthink piece in the New York Times about it today. It said it, it suggests, um, oh, I can't think of it now. What was, okay, I'll come up with it. But anyway, oh, early George Michael. <laughs> I was like, I'm not so sure about that. Don't go there. That's a stretch. But anyway, yeah. So, uh, yeah, big fans of the beard here on Thinking Religion. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I was thinking of fading in. But but also, we both had eventful mornings today, so this is going to be kind of a, we're going to have to focus for this show, because I, I was stuck in traffic court for like two hours and it was something out of a sitcom like I, I really kind of wrote a sitcom in my head while i was there with my fellow citizens but we made it out i was not guilty everything's good um and and you had a big adventure this morning as well yeah i found myself in lifeway for the first time and i don't know how long uh getting some gifts you know it's that time of the year uh so it was um it was a flashback well, I, yeah. I forgot you worked at lifeway i did i did work at lifeway um a long time ago i'm trying to think was I high in high school or college at the time? I don't remember. It was around that, that period of my life. I, I know where it was, which one it was. I just don't remember what the years were. But um, yeah, I didn't work there for very long, but <laughs> I did. So I was kind of, what was crazy? So, you know, like certain places have a smell. I didn't realize Lifeway had a smell until I walked into it. <laughs> like there's a distinct Lifeway smell. You know, like the subway stench or whatever. It's a thing. I, I think there's a, there's a Lifeway smell. It's kind of crazy. Lifeway smell. There's our hashtag. <laughs> Lifeway has a smell. Um, I don't know. Like I walked in, I was like, "Oh, so many memories rushing back right now." This smell. I don't know what it is. That's it's, interesting. I, I didn't think about sure that. they're you know, sprinkling Jesus. Is it like you know, pot- in the front door? <laughs> like <laughs> Jesus like, potpourri, like holy potpourri. Yeah, I was gonna say like potpourri slash poorly written books. And yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The last time I was in a Lifeway, I had to buy. We were in worship class at Gardner Webb in seminary, and I was in charge of communion. Do you remember this? Because you were, yes. were you were my group. Yes. So uh, yeah, I decided. Of the Manischewitz. <laughs> I decided. Well, you know, there's a Lifeway in Asheville, so I went to the the Lifeway, and I was trying to find like a common cup because I don't like the shot glass uh, approach, even though we're Baptist. And the lady said, "No, we you know we don't have any anything, but you can order some." But we do have some shot glasses. So I thought, nah, forget that. So I went downtown and found like a cool, you know, ceramic, Asheville-y yeah. type thing, right? So we served from the Common Cup, which in itself was a sin. And then I served Manischewitz because, you yeah. know, I like Jesus. But that was wrong. Should have been grape juice. Um, yeah, the, the worship professor didn't, didn't go for that. But tonight's going to be uh very redeeming for me because i'm going to see star wars and i'm so so excited. i went to as i do rather often chick-fil-a for breakfast this morning <laughs> my wife 
And I saw no less than the during the time we were there, ten people with Star Wars paraphernalia. It's big, Thomas. It's a cultural movement. I mean, it was like, like, um, uh, what are they called? The necklace thing, not necklace, but you know what I'm saying. Um, lanyards. So I saw lanyards with like a you know stormtrooper head on it, like four or five of those. Really? Um, yeah. So it must be like a thing, maybe for. Um, some theater around here or something. I don't know. And then, you know, Star Wars pajama pants and, you know, a bunch of shirts. Overheard um, quite a few conversations. Uh, one guy had on Star Wars, he had Star Wars pajama pants, a t shirt on, a hat, and this lanyard. And he had a beard and a hair that was rather reminiscent of Chewbacca. So it's like, <laughs> this, this dude is ready. He just needed a man bun. Yeah. Wow. That, yeah. Um, Mariana had to go out to, to Target last night and she texted me from there and said, hey, it's like uh, every college kid from USC is, is in the uh, clothes section with the, you know, the quote <laughs> yeah. throwback novelty Star Wars stuff right. that they have at, at Target. But yeah, it's it's a cultural thing. I'm so excited. I, I picked up my tickets early on the way back from traffic court. And, uh, and the lady uh, doing the ticket things, I was, she was like, oh, congratulations. You got, you know, this is a, a prized ticket uh, in town tonight. Yeah. And I was like, well, I've got an extra and she was like, well, don't tell anybody, but people are already asking. And if you line up a little early, I'm sure you can sell it. <laughs> I was like, nice. you're giving me scalping. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah, right. So, yeah, we're headed over uh, in a couple of hours here uh, early, and I'm going to meet up with my homies, and we're going to geek out together. So it's going to yeah, be It was funny. Out. I was trying to meet with a friend of mine to work on, like, this Syriac manuscript. Uh, this afternoon, he was like, actually, like we're going to see Star Wars and we need to line up early. I was like, hey, do your <laughs> right. thing, man. Do your thing. <laughs> yeah, so we've got to go prepare the flasks and uh, yeah. get everything ready for the line because, yeah, it's, it's going to be like like a, you know, a new iPhone coming out. Like you yeah. you got to yeah. queue up. So speaking of stars, it's that time of the year when it we, is that time of the year. <laughs> we celebrate uh, the star of our religion. Now, we, we celebrate the nativity and not just the nativity, but also the epiphany and all sorts of things scattered in here but in american christianity uh the christmas event is represented you know to a great deal by the star of bethlehem right yeah definitely so anyway i, I don't know i was just trying to make a segue here unless you're at starbucks all right and yeah so it's the red of the devil <laughs> right it's the blood of you know yeah but yeah so we just thought we'd do a little um a nativity show uh, and kind of talk about the, you know, I think a lot of people, if they've seen, you know, things in church, seen plays or whatever, uh, what they've seen is a, a harmonization of the various nativity stories that we have. And explain what that means, the harmonization. Uh, yeah, so it's just, so we have two nativity stories in the New Testament. We have one in Matthew and we have one in Luke. Uh, and they don't say the same thing. Uh, and so, but generally what happens when you're kind of watching plays and things is they're just you know, melded together so that they can make one continuous story. Um, I think it's a lot more interesting to read them separately and to kind of talk about, well, why is this this way? And why is that one that way? And, you know, might there be any relationship between these two? And, um, you know, what, you know, this has this detail and this has that detail and they're not exactly the same. And why might that be? Um, I think that's a lot more interesting than, you know, trying to make it to where they, um, seemingly agree right so in 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 the new testament we have four gospels uh matthew mark luke and john matt uh mark and john don't speak of the nativity there's no birth scene there for jesus 
I mean, in John, they're kind right. of is, right? But it's yeah, not. right. So, so Mark just starts with Jesus's baptism when he's an adult, and John starts at the beginning of the creation of the world, and Jesus was there. Right. Uh, but there is no like birth, or like human birth, incarnation aspect really in John. So we only get it in Matthew and in Luke. Right. And and those were written somewhere, you know, around 70, 75, depending or on... Or 80 or 85. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I so if we date really Mark good. to about 70, right, the year the temple was destroyed, uh, which is when most people date Mark, and we know that Matthew and Luke both used Mark as a source. Right. Then, you know, most people, you know, I don't know, like for this dating stuff, we just kind of sprinkle in a decade here and there. Like, <laughs> give it time to spread. Yeah, 10 or 15 or years, that works. So 85 right. is usually what I go with for okay. Matthew and Luke. Okay, so you have Matthew and Luke in 85. And then uh, before Matthew and Luke were written, or, or Mark, we had Paul writing his right. letters. Uh, does Paul make any mention of the nativity or Bethlehem or, or wise people or anything like that? No, none at all. Paul actually doesn't really care about <laughs> what we would call the historical Jesus at all. Right. But right. I mean, it's like basically no details about uh, Jesus. It's all kind of the, you know, it's all his understanding of the kind of Christ that he had this vision of. And, and when he does it, it's, it's kind from, of, yeah, it's from hymns and, and things that the community would have would have known right. before right. Paul. Right, like anyway. the beginning of Philippians and stuff right. like that. Yeah. All right, so we've got these two stories that are somewhat different, and... They are around 80 to 85, if you're going by your dating. And then we have Jesus being born and then Jesus dying somewhere about 30 to 35 years apart from one another. So our traditional dating, of course, is that Jesus was born on December 25th in the year one, I guess. Zero. So, so I think most people say zero, but the thing is, like, there is no, there is no year zero. Like, it doesn't right. exist. So I, I'm constantly in my classes talking about, you know, this is on the other side of the imaginary zero. Yeah, exactly. Well, and and that's a you know that's an arbitrary date. Like they right. wouldn't have known December twenty fifth or anything else. Right. Uh, so when do scholars point to the birth of Jesus then? If it's not December twenty fifth, uh, year zero. So most people. So the the easier thing to do is kind of get the years down or a, a range of years, and then we can talk about like what time of the year. But um, most people would say between six and four, uh, what we would call uh, BC or BCE, right? BC is kind of the older term before Christ, but BCE before the common era. Uh, so on the other side of the imaginary zero. Um, and that's because both Matthew and Luke agreed that Herod was ruling when Jesus was born and Herod dies in 4 BC, BCE. We know this from other sources. So if Herod actually was ruling when Jesus was born, then it had to have been before he died in 4. Uh, so that'd be about four years or so before most people uh, would kind of put in their minds that Jesus was born. Okay, so there there is a hard out. I mean, you can't say, well, that's just what you know the scholars say. I mean, there you know, if it's Herod, then it has to be by this date. Right. The other thing. the thing that problematizes that though is when you go to Luke and you get all this bit about the the uh, census of Quirinius, um, and you know, this I don't know most. Historically, it kind of looks like this Quirinius guy had some kind of census, but it wasn't until uh, 6 uh, CE, the common era, so 10 years after Herod dies. Um, and so, you know, that's, and there's also a you know, problematic question about the census. We can talk about it if you want to, but um, yeah, so that's, you know, a lot of people are trying to say, well, it's actually, you know, the text says before the registration of Quirinius. Well, why would you date something? 
like, oh, this thing that happened a decade later, right. like, that's not how you date something. I mean, in the text, right, you would say, like, in the 15th year, the reign of Tiberius or something. Like, that's how they were dating things. Right. So not 10 years before this census or just sometime before the census took place. Yeah. And the idea of a Roman emperor calling a census in terms of everybody having to go back to the father's you know, to their city. ancestors' hometown, yeah, which is absolutely <laughs> nonsensical. I mean, you know, right. right? And this is what I ask my students all the time: like, what is the, like the only reason governments do census, do censuses, is for taxes. But that's the only reason any government anywhere in the history of the world cares about a census is for taxes. Right. And now they may ask other questions, and they're already doing this, so we can kind of pile on. Uh, but it's for taxes, and it matters where people live for tax purposes, not where an ancestor a thousand years before them lived. And not to uh, mention the, the economic impact of everyone in the Roman Empire having to right. get up and get back to their right. ancestral so, homes. So we have, we have you know, information about censuses, but not like empire-wide censuses like is talked about in Luke. Um and, you know, but in Luke, what does it do? What it effectively does is it gets married to Bethlehem to have Jesus. And this is a, a point that Matthew and Luke both agree on, is that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. But they also both agree that Jesus' actual hometown was Nazareth. And so the way it kind of works out in Matthew is that after they flee to Egypt, then they come back and it's like, oh, he settles in Nazareth. But in Luke, it's like, oh, well, they're in Nazareth because that's their hometown. But then they have to leave to go to Bethlehem to have the kid. So it's kind of these interesting kind of literary conventions to see how those traditions are, like how they're making sense of those traditions that they clearly already are bringing to the text that they're writing. All right, so let's do the where part, because I think that's really interesting for folks. Um, and then I, I do want to talk about Egypt as well, because that always gets thrown in, unless you're watching the Charlie Brown version, you know, which is just Luke. But uh, does it happen in Bethlehem? I mean, that's what... Uh, I mean, so in Matthew, the story, it happens in Bethlehem. In the but. story, and, and Matthew and Luke both agree that it happens in Bethlehem, but that seems, it, it just, it honestly it seems far-fetched. I mean, I think most people would say, I mean, you know the hometown is Nazareth. That would make the most sense. And in both texts, uh, or at least in Luke, for instance, you have a you have a, an explicit um, device in the story to get them to Bethlehem to have the kid. Well, why do they um, need to get to Bethlehem? I mean, what's the point of? Well, so for Matthew, it's um, fulfilling this prophecy, right? So it says, um, you know, it, it, you know, and you Bethlehem in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. And if you read any bit of Matthew, the first thing that stands out to you is that Matthew is consistently saying this was done to fulfill the prophecy that. Right, this is what Matthew is concerned about consistently, is fulfilling prophecy. And so he reads this prophecy as, well, Jesus has to be born in Bethlehem, so clearly he was born in Bethlehem, and then later they settled in Nazareth. Luke is much less concerned with the fulfillment of prophecy in that regard. Um, and so you, you know, it's clearly there is a tradition that Luke already has that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and the census is what is able to get them there. But it seems to be um yeah it just it 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 seems too convenient for the text for it to have been historically accurate right and and bethlehem really isn't mentioned anywhere else after this no you know jesus doesn't really spend a lot of time in judah even in john you know it's mostly in the galilee yeah. all right so where what about egypt i mean what why is egypt included in one story and not in the other is it the similar thing about prophecy 
So actually, yeah, well, in a similar way, I think I think the reason we have Egypt included in the Mithian story, in the Matthew story, is uh, because in for Matthew, Jesus is the second Moses, right? And so it's an it's kind of an exact um, inverse parallel to Moses' story, right? Where Moses is in Egypt and has to flee because people are seeking his life. And then people say, the people that were seeking your life are dead. And so he can go back to Egypt. And then you get Jesus. Jesus is not in Egypt, but people are seeking his life. He flees to Egypt. And then he, you know, Joseph gets a dream. The people that were seeking your life are dead. And then they can flee back out of Egypt, uh, back to, in this case, they end up in Nazareth after that. So it's, I think clearly, and the language is um, in some places word for word when you get that type of information, uh, it's clearly supposed to make the reader think of Moses. And then you get throughout Matthew that Jesus is the second Moses, right? So um, Moses goes to Mount Sinai. Jesus has his Sermon on the Mount. You have the five books of Moses. You have There's a, a very common way of breaking the story of Matthew down into f- the five books of Jesus, Um so yeah, I, I think that's the. I think Egypt is to make the Moses connection. Right, right. Um, and it, it's always interesting and, and clumsy to me how people try to, as you said, harmonize uh, those two stories and, and get Mary, uh, Joseph, and Jesus down into Egypt uh, just after the Bethlehem event, while using language from Luke. <laughs> you know, and it's it's yeah. not always a, an easy. Uh, flow to do that with. All right, so in American Christianity, and I'm speaking generically, but after Jesus is born, all of a sudden these three wise men show up, and we know their names, and we know where they're from, and they're carrying specific gifts. Uh, biblically, and we talked about this last year on the show. Right. I think yeah. we did a whole show on the wise I do think we people. did, yeah. Um, but yeah. Right in the archives. Right, right. So, and you, you've taught a couple of lecture series on it, and I've done Sunday School stuff on it, but it's a fascinating topic for me, um, and I, we could do a whole series on it now, but we won't dig that deeply. But in a nutshell, what do we know about the wise people uh, when it comes to what's presented in, in the Gospels? Well, I mean, what's presented in the text, we don't really know anything, right? They, they bring uh, three gifts. This is where the number three typically comes from. Um, and they are, you know, they're called magi, which would be like, you know, it's magus. It's the term that we get like magic or magician from, you know, I guess that most people would think about them as astrologers because they're clearly kind of doing, you know, stargazing and things like that. But that's it. I mean, they supposedly come in Luke. They, you know, there's a question about where they were there when he was a baby, right? And in Matthew, right? Because they go into the house and they say the child, not the baby, right? They're not going to the manger or anything like that. Uh, This is why in, in Christian tradition, not kind of this, American typical American version, but they don't show up until Epiphany, which is um, at the end of the Christmas season, which actually doesn't start until Jan- December twenty fifth, right? And then Epiphany ends on what January sixth, I think. Sixth. Yeah. Um, so that, that's like the twelve that. days of Christmas that we, right? You know, <laughs> right? It's not before; it's after Christmas <laughs> right. starts. We think it starts on, on Black Friday, but it actually, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's it. But then they do, like you're saying. I mean, in artwork, they they get depicted and they get names pretty, you know, not super early, but you know, fairly early. They get names attributed to them, um, and kind of this whole tradition builds up around this that they're kings and all this, you know. So we three kings of Orion are, and you know, so. Uh, but from the text, you don't have anything really. I mean, it's you have. You have some dudes creeping in the night, apparently, and then they're like, oh, we brought stuff for the kid. Like, <laughs> well, look, we have gifts for the kid. Come hang out with us, kid. I don't and know. it doesn't say that they're kings or that they're men. I mean, they could be three, you know, wise women. 
Um, they could be. You know, I mean, just, I think we would we would guess that you know, with the society at the time, that they probably were men. Uh, but yeah, well, probably, Thomas, probably not kings, honestly. Yeah. yeah, right, right, and that would make no sense again. Uh, especially you can't travel uh, this time of the year and in, in uh, that part of the world. But so the last question: When did it happen? When did it, was it in December? That's the question. Yeah, and uh, I mean, you're much more of a scholar than I am, but from my understanding and from my reading of popular religion books, the answer is no. It was probably uh, according, you know, to who you read sometime in the spring, um, depending on the festivals, depending on what's going on, if there was travel around. Well, and the shepherds, right? I mean, yeah, the shepherds, shepherds exactly. from the fields. <laughs> right. So that's kind of a big clue. Yeah. All right. But I mean, you know, the 25th, like where's December 25th come from? Well, that's Saturnalia, right? That's exactly. Uh, yeah. And so we just kind of like, oh, we like that. We're just going to take that over. <laughs> right? I mean, that's kind of like the Yolog, you know? Yeah. Or Christmas trees. So, I mean, I think it's fine to kind of have a, well, this is the day that we celebrate this thing. But, you know, then you get these nativity stories and it's all like, oh, it's cold and like snowy. And like, you gotta, <laughs> that's why you have to swaddle the kid. And because it's, it's like Christmas time. Yeah. And, but like, no. Yeah. So. And, and the first live nativity scene where we actually have kind of a barn roof in the Western tradition. Uh, was done by St. Francis of Assisi in the 1100s. You know, so it, it, this isn't an early tradition of doing a, a nativity scene. And I forgot the story, but from what I remember, like the Pope at the time when St. Francis was doing his thing actually got upset, and St. Francis had to write an apology letter for staging this. Um, but, you know, he didn't have yeah. the camels and the singing Christmas tree and all those things that we have now yeah. with our drive through nativity scenes, which yeah. in itself... It just, <laughs> uh, I mean, there, there's there's going to be a great dissertation in 500 years on, you know, 19th, 20th century American Christianity with our drive-through nativity scenes. Yeah, I think that's just such a, a cool, crazy imagery. All right. Um, hey, but as long as we get to like a Star Wars nativity out of it, then we're it's actually okay, my, right. Yeah, my my nativity downstairs. One? Yeah, the the girls threw in a uh, nice. Darth Vader, Obi Wan, and uh, Han Solo as the wise people, and nice. uh, the droids are all there. So instead of sheep, so that's kind of nice. Um, all right, so historical accuracy, just in in general terms, when people say, "Well, Thomas, how did this happen, or, or did this happen?" What would you say to them? Like, we'll go back and read the Gospels, or would you say just enjoy the season and and remember that this is a syncretic, you know, it's kind of a, a harmonization of a lot of different things that. <laughs> you know, some are from the Gospels. Well, yeah, I mean, I think you know, I think that. it's interesting to to read the text and to see kind of well, what were they trying to do? What questions are they trying to answer? Right, and I think that's it seems pretty clear. Matthew's trying to answer certain questions, right? I mean, and that that's you know, prominent theory from Christopher Stendhal, you know, the famous uh, Swedish New Testament scholar, um, was that Matthew is kind of a handbook for um, reading for answering questions that would come up after reading Mark. For instance, why is there no birth? Why is there no resurrection? You know, all these things. And Matthew kind of answers all these questions. Um, and so, you know, if you're asking, like, what questions did they have and are they trying to answer? I think that's a lot more interesting way, honestly, to read the text. Um, but, yeah, I mean, historical accuracy, I definitely think Jesus existed. So, yes, Jesus was born at some point. <laughs> um, but, you know, did it happen exactly this way? I don't think so. But, you know, I, I think that that gets to this question of what are they trying to, like, what are they actually, what's the point they're trying to get across? Yeah, right. Um, and then I think that's a, a more interesting question to ask about the text. 
And, and to remember, as you, as you said earlier in the show, these were written somewhere around 50 to 60 years after after you know, Jesus the crucifixion, died, right? right? <laughs> yeah, they're clearly so. picking up on earlier themes, right? We know that there were kind of oral gospels and probably some written text circulating uh, before you know anything that finds its way into you know the what's in the New Testament now. Um, but yeah, I mean the first gospel that we have is Mark, and it wasn't written until seventy, right? So that's forty years. That's a generation after Jesus died, and then Matthew and Luke come later. They both have you know nativity stories, um, you know, so they maybe shared this Q source, this hypothetical Q source. But you know, there's enough differences there. Your question is, well, did is there was there a nativity in Q? You know, things like that. But um, so there's clearly tradition circulating before. Yeah. Matthew and Luke write their uh, write their stuff down, um, but you know what they were, we're not sure. So it's not like they just sat down fifty years after Jesus died. It's like, oh yeah, let's just say he was born and talk about that. Um, they're kind of bringing together traditions they already have, but you know, think about what was going to write down on something from nineteen sixty five. Nineteen sixty five, right? Yeah, with just like oral traditions and maybe a few, uh, you know, a couple written sources that you might have read once or something like that. Like that's, yeah. you know, like, like do the miss, you know, do the Cuban missile crisis. No, take right? your grandfather and try to figure out what he had for lunch in 1965, yeah. you know, right. even in the age of photography, yeah. there probably is not a picture of your, you know, grandparents yeah. from 1965. That's why, yeah, exactly. You know, so. if the Messiah is born today, we'll have plenty of evidence because his parents will probably put pictures all over Facebook. Hopefully. <laughs> Speaking as a newborn's parent. Yeah. Um, well, cool. I think that was good. I think uh, hopefully, hopefully people. Yeah, so you know, something to think about as you're traveling. Uh, you know, on this holiday break. Um, you know, if you're going to go to uh, to mass or you know, New Year's Eve service or something like that, uh, or, or Christmas Eve. Sorry, not New Year's Eve. Not a not a kind of watch night type thing. But you might do that too. <laughs> but that's not related to the church thing at all. We have to talk about this. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> I love Christmas Eve service. It's uh, it's one of my favorite. But but. Uh, uh, again, I'm a big fan of Epiphany, so I like when the when the wise people get there. Yeah, when they show up in January, like, hey, where the party at? <laughs> <laughs> yo, yo, what's up? Yeah, yeah. We brought bombs. A That's bomb. the mad guy that I like. Bomb. Yeah, you have to watch. <laughs> we'll link to it in the show notes the opening scene from Life of Brian, but Brian who grew up next door to Jesus. Uh, it's fantastic. You have to watch their kind of nativity scene. It's great. Yeah, it's it's fantastic that and die hard are the two required christmas movies i think all right so check it out have a good week uh have a good holiday break uh you can find me on twitter at thomas whitley you can find sam at sam harrelson and you can always find more great podcasts at thinking.fm wait we're not going to do a show next week on christmas eve (laughs) probably not on christmas eve oh